a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. When we look at ourselves and the situation of the world, uh, God is certainly there, but he's hidden there. He's not seen there. He's not. He, he hasn't put himself there to be found. Where he puts himself to be found is on the cross. That's where we know that he loves us. So we can just as well undo God's love for us as we can go back in time and pry the nails out of Jesus' hands. We can just proclaim God's word, trust it will do what it says it will do, and no longer be, be judging the effectiveness of the, of the preached word by human standards of measurement, by, by the number of people that are there, but, but rather to just do what God told us to do, to preach the word and administer the sacraments. Ch- Charles Finney could have possibly had the ugliest face of any theologian. <laughs> Except for Brian Wolfman. <laughs> <laughs> he is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Amen. Boy, this is, the, I think, Table Talk Radio's second annual Easter edition of Table Talk Radio right. on the, like, 1900th and something annual Easter. So, uh, <laughs> special day. That's right. Marvelous day. The, the, the Lord's resurrection, like Paul said, if, if Christ hadn't risen, then we of all men are to be pitied. But Christ has risen from the dead. And so, uh, rather than, than pity the Christian, we rejoice to be Christians, to be uh, to have the Lord's name on us, because his name is life. His, he could not be held in the grave, but has, has made a way through death and the grave and sin for us that we might know eternal life as well. That is right. So a very special Table Talk Radio in store for you in honor of such an occasion. Um, we're going to do our, our regular thing of buzzwords and then some uh, email slash Facebook slash phone messages. Uh, but then we're going to do some uh, Easter Resurrection Bible Bee and also Ten Commandments of the News and the uh, CACA Super Game. So yeah, that is the lineup for uh, Table Talk Radio. Everyone's favorite theological game show. So thanks for tuning in. We're glad to have you all with us. Yes. All right. So uh, I want a buzzword. What is it? Give it to me. Ready? This is a, is a buzz phrase again. I, like always, I prefer the Latin, so then I notice when you say it. Uh, th- but this one is a, this is a great one for Easter. Te dam laudamus, which mm. means praise we the Lord. The, the, the te dam uh, is the canticle that we sing in Matins, uh, the morning prayer. Uh, it's the chief canticle, and it begins, We praise thee, O God, we acknowledge thee to be the Lord. All the earth doth worship thee, the Father everlasting. Uh, tradition in the church says that, did you notice that the Te Deum was written uh, by both by St. Uh, Augustine and St. Ambrose on the occasion of uh, Augustine's baptism by Ambrose? So that they, so that St. Augustine was going to be baptized, and Ambrose is there, and they, so they, uh, they come up with this... Uh, they wrote this hymn. That, anyway, is what the tradition says. But if you don't mind, Evan, I would like to read a little bit from Easter, from Luther's Easter Sunday, where he mentions the Te Deum. Wait, wait, wait. Are you reading it? Yes. Then I mind. <laughs> well, you want to read it? <laughs> Open up to the church postal real quick. <laughs> Go I, ahead. I'm gonna, this is a bit longer, but I was trying to cut it down, cut it down, but I couldn't. So the whole paragraph here. So. Uh, Here's Luther preaching on Easter Sunday. The apostles crouched behind barred doors, not only discouraged and cowed as sheep that are scattered without a shepherd, but also troubled in conscience. 
Peter had denied and renounced his Lord with an oath and cursed himself, and the others had fled and proved themselves to be disloyal. That was indeed a fall so deep and terrible that they might well think that they could never be forgiven for denying the Son of God and so shamefully forsaking their Lord and faithful Savior. How could it have ever entered their hearts that Christ would send such an affectionate greeting and such kind good morning to them who had been so disloyal and denied him and would not only forgive everything but also call them his dear brethren? Or who can believe and grasp it today? I myself would like to believe it at times, but I cannot get it into my heart so completely that I dare rely upon it wholly and dare count it to be really true. Yea, if we could only, we would be in heaven, if we only could, we would be in heavenly bliss already in this life and would fear neither death nor devil nor the world, but our hearts would constantly bound for joy and sing to God an eternal Te Deum Ladamus. But alas, this is not the case on earth. Our miserable beggar's bag, this old hide of ours, is too cramped. Therefore, the Holy Spirit must come to our rescue, not only to preach the word to us, but enlarge and impel us from within, etc., etc. Isn't that fantastic? That's it, great. Just, just to believe this marvelous greeting that the Lord has on Easter, uh, you are my brothers and you are my friends, peace be with you, etc. And Luther says, if we could only believe that in our heart, then we would, be, we would already in this life know heavenly bliss. Yeah, that's wonderful. All right, so uh, I should have oh, read it. Hey, hey, by the way, this uh, uh, I'm I've been reading some Luther sermons and uh, uh, and putting them in a little podcast, and that's on our church website. We should put a link to that on Table Talk. Uh, it's uh, something like uh, hope-aurora.org/slash/martin-luther-sermons or something. You got to find it on there. <laughs> You don't even. That's a that's a live read uh, 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 commercial from the Martin Luther Sermon podcast. Who, t- who told you about this radio term "live read"? Because you've been using it every week. I know it. You should make my buzzword "live read." All right. Well, my theological buzzword for you <laughs> is victory. Hey, uh, victory comes from the uh, Greek word Nike. So those of you who wear Nike shoes have victory shoes. Um, but this is uh, <laughs> uh, Jesus in his death and resurrection uh, won for us the forgiveness of sins, uh, life and salvation, but he also won the victory over sin, death, and the devil. And so uh, this is uh, what we recognize, that, that, that uh, God the Father accepted this sacrifice and uh, victory is won. Uh, we no longer, we have victory over death. And so uh, this is your buzzword for today. Awesome. Okay, let's let's hit the the phone lines. Um, this is this is a nice little thing that that people are have loaded our phone number into the uh, their cell phones. Uh, that that is eight six six eight five one five five two three. And when they are stuck in traffic, uh, they can call us up and tell us their their theological bumper stickers. As did uh, this caller right here. Hey guys, waiting for a train to go by and car in front of us has several bumper stickers on it one of it one of them has a theological twist to it it says don't steal the government hates competition so (laughs) can't wait to hear what you have to say about that one keep up the good work at table talk radio my 12 year old son and i just love it 
All right. Thank yeah. you, Mystery Con. That's our demographic. That's our target demographic. <laughs> 12, 12 year old olds. boys. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> All I, right. I, I don't know if that's Ben because I have a Facebook uh, thing here from Ben, uh, and it says, Per Evan's suggestion, I've added the Table Talk Radio phone number to my cell phone, but I've gone one step further and made it one of my emergency contacts. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. What, one of those numbers you, you hope you never have to call. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's right. It's oh. like nine one one and the rest. All right, so <laughs> what do you make of this? Well, what do you think that the, the bumper sticker is trying to say? You shall not steal. Uh, the government doesn't want competition. So the, it's so there's a seventh commandment issue here. You shall not steal. That's what the uh, if we're going to play ten commandments in the bumper stickers, this would be <laughs> the commandment. Uh, and and it's saying there that the government itself can be guilty of this thing, and it in fact is. So um, uh, so it's just it's basically saying the government is stealing. Now this is a it's a marvelous marvelous point. I have long held. In fact, I was talking to a pastor friend of mine, who said that the seventh commandment forbids socialism. Now this what that that statement opened up uh, an entirely new way of thinking for me because it. It was basically saying, look, the Ten Commandments have to do with the way we order society and, the, and that the government is bound to the Seventh Commandment as well as individuals are. You, you, when we look at the Ten Commandments, we normally think of them as individual moral precepts. True? And what does it apply to me and how have I broken it? And we, and we think of it as individuals. But the first use of the law, the civil use of the law, is saying that the Ten Commandments order society. And so when we have the commandments like you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, you shall not steal, you shall not uh, um, uh, commit adultery, you, sh- you shall not murder, we're, we're talking about things that order uh, society and, and the, the government among men. And the seventh commandment is certainly there. Uh, so this, and, and I'm very sympathetic to this bumper sticker. Don't steal. The, the government doesn't want competition. That, You're that coveting very this bumper possible. sticker, aren't you? I do, I do. It is very possible for the government uh, to break the seventh commandment by overtaxation, by even by um, uh, uh, managing inflation and uh, things like this. So, so because the government has so much to do with economics, it's the seventh commandment that comes into play here, and should and should uh, be the outline and the boundary of our uh, economic policy. Hmm. Now, I'm curious uh, if you were sitting. Behind this car, what other bumper sticker would you expect to see on on the car, with a with about a uh, minute here? Uh, Sarah Palin, two thousand and uh, <laughs> fourteen, or whatever. I thought you were going to say uh, the uh, the last election. It always cracks me up when people leave uh, their candidate bumper stickers or signs up long after the election. Like uh, you guys did here, they lost, right? I mean, maybe you should. <laughs> <laughs> Alas, I heard. <laughs> I've got some bumper stickers, by the way, here on our Facebook page. You want some more? Thirty seconds. Well, here's a, here's one. Uh, this is from Brian on the Facebook page, and it says simply, "Have you threatened your children with eternal damnation today?" Oh no! <laughs> That's probably effective. <laughs> yeah, you'll, you'll yeah, have to th- tell me about th- that. This will certainly be like an anti-religious, one of these uh, modern atheist bumpers. These atheists love their bumpers. <laughs> they love their bumpers, and they love to tell you about it. I saw one there say, uh, uh, pagan and proud of it, or something like that. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back. More Table Talk Radio and Bible Bee after this.
listening to Table Talk Radio. The traditional understanding says that God asks of us something God is incapable of himself. That's emergent church pastor Brian McLaren on his criticism of the traditional view of atonement. God asks us to forgive people, but God is incapable of forgiving. Uh, God can't forgive unless he punishes somebody in place of the person he was going to forgive. God, God doesn't say to, to you, um, forgive your wife and then go kick the dog to vent your anger. Well, what do you think? Join us for the next edition of Table Scraps Live on April the 11th at 8 o'clock Central Time when we're talking about the emergent church movement with Chris Roseborough of Fighting for the Faith in Pirate Christian Radio. That's Table Scraps Live on Sunday, April the 11th at 8 o'clock Central Time. Just visit our website, tabletalkradio.org, or click on over to piratechristianradio.com. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio, the edition in honor of the resurrection of our Lord. Uh, that was Christ Lay in Death Strong Bands by Martin Luther. And uh, we are now playing Bible Bee uh, on Table hey, Wait a minute, before we get into Bible Bee, we have to have the Kirk Cameron update. Uh, Ugh, you know, I have this little competition to see who can have more fans, Table Talk Radio or Kirk Cameron. And I have sad news. Uh-oh. Sad news. Kirk Cameron is up to 53,453 <laughs> friends on uh, fans on Facebook and Table Talk Radio has 278. Have we gone down? 50, <laughs> yeah, no, no, I don't know. No, I think we're up a couple. Okay. Uh, but Kirk is up a couple thousand, so we're we're 53,175 fans behind and falling deeper now into fan <laughs> debt. Uh, so would, would Facebook fans, I guess that would fall under the 10th commandment, not the 9th, the 10th commandment. I think... Coveting. Yeah, we're coveting people, your fans. Your neighbor's Facebook, Facebook fans. fans. Right. <laughs> My goodness. Uh, did I? Did I? Did you get the email I sent you, uh, that little liner that we had from Kurt back when I did uh, radio years oh, ago? Oh, yeah, that was nice. That's right. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how to contact uh, Kurt. To, if he becomes a fan of the Table Talk Radio, then we can get some of his fans to come on over and maybe uh, <laughs> give him a bit more run for We also have this note on uh, on the, on Facebook fan page. It says, is, ever, is Evan going to remain wearing the tie in the Facebook graphic once he gets out of seminary? And then uh, the, the John says, uh, Wolf Mueller should add the Linton beard. We do have the uh, Linton beard graphic, but I write back to John, uh, you assume that Evan will graduate. Yeah, I was going to say, let's, let's cross that bridge when we come to it. <laughs> 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 All right, Bible oh, B. Oh, boy. Uh, this is the game where we, uh, there's three rounds in Bible B. The first round, uh, the contestant, which is in this case Pastor Wolf Mueller, gets three verses, and from these three verses, he must correctly identify the correct book of the Bible. And then the second round, that's worth uh, 100 points. Round two is worth 200 points, where you get one verse to identify the book of the Bible. And in round three, you get one word, but it's worth 300 points. Yeah. And uh, 
I guess I guess we're ready to go. This is this is an Easter theme, a resurrection theme. Uh, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Bring it on. <laughs> All right. Uh, hey, wait. Should we make this a super game and uh, and uh, and do uh, law gospel with it? Sure. Just because yeah. you're the contestant, and you want, want more points. Uh, yeah. Sure. I want to supersize this game. <laughs> okay. Well, here you go. For an extra sixty cents. The the angel said to the women, "Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who has been crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, just as he said." Come, see the place where he was lying. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. All right. So this is the uh, uh, this is in the on Easter morning. There is, by the way, a very complicated set of uh, events that unfolds on uh, the the resurrection, the Sunday of the resurrection. Uh, the first one, the uh, women are going here and there and back and forth and, and disciples are in different places and they're coming from different places and going to different places and they keep missing each other. Uh, it's it's quite a complicated um, chronology to sort out. I think we've got it somewhere. Maybe we'll post it up on our, a link to it on our page or something, uh, the, how these all these events fit together. But there's a group of women that goes early on, on, um, on uh, Sunday, Sunday morning and to Sunday. Yeah, Sunday. Yeah, go ahead. What what day do you want it to be? No, I I was just helping you out because you were. Uh, oh, it seemed like you'd oh. forgotten what day <laughs> Easter was. <laughs> Thank you. It's on Good Sunday. Thing you're it here, falls Evan. on Sunday this Good. year. <laughs> Good. Oh man. So then uh, they they go early in the morning and they see the angel and the and so the first preaching of Easter is the angels. Now there's something very significant about the fact that the angels are. Uh, excluded from Good Friday. Remember, Jesus says, I could call down all these legions of angels to help me, but he doesn't. But but on Easter Sunday, the angels are there. In fact, the angels are the ones that roll away the stone to let the people in and all of this. Uh, and so now we have the women at the tomb, and the angels say, look, uh, see the place where he laid him? He's not here anymore. Jesus, the one who was crucified, is risen. And just as he said, he's going to go before you to Galilee, so go tell the disciples. Now this, uh, I, I don't know, the tricky part about this, it's it's uh, from the Gospel text, so Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Uh, the tricky thing about this question is trying to sort out which Gospel that's in. Uh, there are no, in this text, no kind of unique things for any of the Gospels, uh, as, far as, I, as far as I heard. But I think you're reading from uh, Mark, which is the traditional Gospel for uh, Easter Sunday morning. So I'm going to guess, what is the Gospel of St. Mark? And you would be incorrect. Ooh, man. That's a tough one, though, because you're right. That I, I was sure to try and read something that wasn't uh, going to be a dead giveaway. But this is actually from uh, the Gospel according to St. Matthew. All right. Uh, what text also? Oh, you want the chapter and I mean, verse, what too? Verse? Yeah, yeah. Uh, have I have it right there. here. Yes, it's uh, Matthew 28, 5 through 7. Good. I'm going to look up the, really quick, by the way, to see what's unique about this passage versus the other ones. That would be great fun, wouldn't it? Yes, it would. But I, why don't you say a few words, uh, a few words about it here? Uh, okay. Well, here, you know, I, I've uh, always heard pastors say that um, here you have the women who are coming to finish the preparations of the body, right, Sunday morning, because. Uh, Christ crucified on on Friday, but at at, uh, 
at sunset starts the Sabbath, and so uh, therefore they uh, they can't complete the uh, the preparation of the body, and so they go to to do this to anoint the body and such. Uh, to lo and behold, the, the the grave is empty, and and here we have uh, the the women who are around Jesus. Uh, you know, they shouldn't be coming to anoint Jesus' body, but they should be coming uh, looking for the for the open grave. They they should have been saying, "This is the day which Jesus said he would rise from the dead." Let's let's go take a look. But here they are uh, preparing to anoint the body. Right, that's right. They, it, it shows, and that's a marvelous thing. The disciples are a coward in the room; they're afraid. The, the women are going to finish the work of burial that they hadn't finished on Friday. So there is a, a real sense that even though Jesus over and over said that he would rise from the dead, and the Pharisees even notice it. Remember, the Pharisees said, go and make the, the, the tomb secure. They asked for Pilate, for soldiers, and he says, you have a guard, do it yourself, and they seal it and put a guard there. Because he said on the third day he would rise again, and maybe his disciples will come and take the body, and the second deception will be worse than the first. So even the Pharisees, the unbelieving Pharisees, had, had heard Jesus say he was going to rise on the third day, but his disciples and his followers, uh, who must have heard it, didn't believe it. Um, I, I here, by the way, have the differences between the two texts. In Matthew, th- th- so the parallel texts are Matthew 28, 1 to 8, Mark 16, 1 to 8, and Luke 24, 1 to 12. Uh, in, in Matthew, the angel says to the women, do not be afraid. In Mark, uh, do not be amazed. Uh, in, in Matthew, you seek Jesus. In Mark, you seek Jesus of Nazareth. Um, uh, and then, and then here's the, is maybe the biggest difference in in Matthew. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. Uh, in Mark, go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. So, so that uh, so that in uh, Mark is uh, adds the word of the angel that this is uh, this message is to Peter uh, as well. And we know that re- remember that. M- that Mark is writing his apostle, his gospel, under the care of the apostle Peter. And this must have been for Peter, this marvelous comfort that the angel mentioned, even him, the greatest denier, uh, that, 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 that the good news of the resurrection is for him as well. So, hmm. Very good. So those would have been some of the distinctives to point out Matthew, but I didn't know that until right now. <laughs> good. All right. Well, you have another shot. Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> All right. Uh, so you have one verse. I think I think you might get this one, but it is this: your one verse. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Hey, wait a minute! I already quoted that verse. <laughs> I know, <laughs> but I'm hoping it's one of these times where you can quote the verse, but you don't know the address. Yeah, yeah, not so likely. This is uh, <laughs> Paul takes up the topic of the resurrection in full, the the, and the resurrection, the historicity of it, uh, the theological implications of it, the fact that the, the resurrection of Jesus means our own resurrection. All of this stuff in in this great section, First Corinthians chapter fifteen. And so this is the we it's sometimes been called the resurrection chapter. It is this is the chapter, by the way, that uh, our dear listeners should read once or twice at least, along with the resurrection accounts, uh, this week of Easter to take up First Corinthians 15, use it for your family devotions, uh, or read it together because Paul has a just a, a simply marvelous discussion uh, of the resurrection of Jesus and and its implications for us. And this is right in there where he says, look, if Jesus wasn't raised, then you are still in your sins. In other words, the resurrection is the Father's acceptance of, this, of the sacrifice of Jesus for the forgiveness of all of our sins. 
and this uh, is proof that we're uh, that we are forgiven. If Jesus wasn't raised, then you would still be in your sins. You would you would not be forgiven. You would not be justified. He was raised for our justification. Paul says in in Romans chapter four, so that uh, so that the doctrine of justification comes as the resurrection of Jesus is uh, given to us as a historical actual fact. And Paul argues all this in First Corinthians fifteen. That is correct. Uh, yeah. We're, we're going to have time for a, a break. We'll continue this game of Babel Beyond Table Talk Radio after this. The score, by the way, 200 to nothing. Stay tuned for more Table Talk Radio. Vocation. Ordinary Life for Ordinary Christians. That's the title of the 11th Annual Vocation Symposium sponsored by Lutheran Student Fellowship of Oklahoma University. This year's speaker is Dr. Stephen Hine, the director of Concordia Institute for Christian Studies and associate pastor of Shepherd of the Springs Lutheran Church in Colorado Springs, Colorado. This all takes place Saturday April the 10th, from 2 p.m. to 7.30. Registration is free for students and only $10 for an adult. If you're in the Norman, Oklahoma area, we hope you can make it to the 11th Annual Vocation Symposium featuring Dr. Stephen Hine entitled Vocation, Ordinary Life for Ordinary Christians. For more information, visit tlcnorman.org. That's tlcnorman.org. If you have any questions, zip me an email, evan at tabletalkradio.org. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. Uh, right before the break, you say you had 200 points? Yeah, yeah, 200 okay, points. I will change my scoreboard to reflect what you said then. Okay, great. <laughs> Why? What? How many did you have? 400 or something? Um, nothing. Um, yeah, I, same <laughs> as you. I keep reaching for my coffee cup here, but it, like the tomb of Jesus, is empty. It's a, <laughs> it's like a natural reflex. So I keep going to take a sip, and uh, eesh. so you you got the first one, which is worth one hundred. This round two is typically worth two hundred, and two plus yeah, one. Yeah, I equals... missed the first one, though. Remember? Oh I, yeah, I missed the first right, one. I right. said uh, Ma- Mark, and you said Matthew. Oh, that's yeah, why. silly me. Two hundred. Okay, so you got First uh, Corinthians fifteen. And if Christ right. has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Do you want to guess a verse on that? Um, yeah, sure. It's it's close to the beginning. It's got to be right around verse twelve or something. Ooh, seventeen, close. Okay. Uh, but this uh, this verse really sets up the the entire Christian faith. I mean, Saint Paul says it that 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 our entire belief rests on this fact that Christ has been raised from the dead. I mean, imagine, can, can you can you imagine going up to your, your Mormon friend or your, 
or or your Muslim or sorry Muslim friend as Pastor Wolfman likes to say <laughs> that's all oh, that's and, what and you're saying about, yeah. is, is there one event in which uh, your entire belief system your religion can point to that saying if if you could disprove this then there is no more religion anymore and you know for the Mormon you might think. Um, yeah, you know, if Joseph Smith didn't really you know, receive the Book of Mormon uh, or if the, the claims of the Book of Mormon aren't true, but you will never hear that. But in Christianity, we have our entire forgiveness of sins rests upon Christ's death and resurrection. And, and it's a historical fact. We, we, can, we can prove that it happened. It's, it is history. That is the main thing. You know, we, uh, how about this? Uh, if you were to ask a question, here's a little, uh, uh, little trivia question or a little diagnostic question. Uh, say, say simply this, and I might have said this before on the air, but ask simply, is the Bible a theology book, chiefly a theology book, or is the Bible chiefly a history book? Now, this is a, when you read the Bible, it is presenting itself to us as a history book. As a book of, of the events uh, that God was behind in the life of the church, it's a, it, it is chiefly then a, a, not a theology book, but a history book. And something happens when we begin to see the Bible chiefly as a theology text, as if it didn't matter if these things really happened, if they really were history. But history, more than any other religion, is a, is a, it's a historic uh, a faith. It's tr- it's things that actually happen on this, you know, terra firma here. As we say in the creed, even he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. That's for goodness sakes. That's a Roman governor. What what other? And and here's another point that I think is interesting. I'm sure I've made before. What other holy book has a set of maps in the back? I mean, that's a, amazing. You don't, you don't find ba- maps in the back of the Quran. You couldn't. You don't find maps in the back of the Book of Mormon. They can't figure out where any of this stuff happened. You don't find maps in the back of the Bhagavad Gita, do you? I mean, this is you. But there's maps in just about the back of every Bible because the, these things were happening in a place. You see what I mean? Ah, yeah. Uh, the very fact that God takes upon Himself human flesh, the incarnation of Jesus, means that our faith is gonna is gonna hinge on on actual historic events, and it does. And Paul says it. If Jesus wasn't risen from the dead, then all of this whole business about being a Christian and being forgiven and being justified and everything is just a sham. It doesn't mean anything uh, apart from this historic act. And so the Bible, the Bible is chiefly then a, a book of history, the the events that God has done for man to save us. Not only that, but the maps that we have in the Bible are inspired and errant by God, right? <laughs> no, no. I mean, I don't want to get into that sort of thing. I'm just I mean, you don't want to start preaching on the maps, but there is something to it. I mean, that you could say, oh, yeah, that happened here down the street. And you know right, how right. the prophets do this all the time. They say, hey, they built this, this happened, and they built this altar there, and that's still there to our day. Right. So that yeah. the people could go and see it. You can go to, you can go to Israel, and you can see the empty tomb. Now, it's kind of a remade empty tomb because the pieces <laughs> of the old tomb were all kind of carted off as the relics and things but you could see the places where this stuff happened it's amazing yeah whereas if it was just a a, a book of aesop's fables there would be no point in, ha- in having maps because it didn't ever even even happen right so. that's right now and there's something even more here too i mean we got to talk so we've brought up the point that i mean paul brings it up when he says if christ isn't raised you're still in your sins is that what is the connection between the resurrection and the forgiveness of sins because we know that Jesus is dying on the cross on Good Friday to forgive us our sins. So wouldn't we say that our sins are forgiven on Good Friday and not on 
on uh, Easter Sunday. Well, they, it all belongs together, but let me give you a picture, okay? Uh, pretend you're watching a football game. Uh, you're watching OU uh, play a football game, and and, uh, and the running back gets the ball, and they run across the end zone. Now, uh, uh, when are the points scored? Well, as soon as the runner crosses the end zone, he's scored a touchdown, and he stops and does a little dance or whatever, throws the ball on the ground, and uh, you know his work is done. But the points aren't actually scored until the uh, to the official, the umpire, the referee. Uh, what do you call it in football? Yeah, the referee. Referee uh, puts his hands up and he says it's good. And, and that's when the points are scored, you see. Mm-hmm. And, and so it is with Jesus. When Jesus dies on the cross, he's finished the work of redemption. He has accomplished it. But the but Easter Sunday, the resurrection, is the Father saying, it's good. I accept <laughs> this sacrifice on behalf of all mankind. And now his righteousness is applied to us. You see? Got it. You're laughing at that. I think it works, though. No, no, that's good. <laughs> You're, you're, now you're going to be in this great dilemma because you're going to be w- preaching on Easter someday, and you're going to say, "I don't think it's holy to use an illustration from football," uh, but you, but the, that's going to stick in your mind, and you're going to have to. Jesus is better than football. Oh yeah, I forgot. I forgot. <laughs> oh, you could have that as your sermon hymn when you preach it too. Thank you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I think we're on round three of Bible B. Yeah. That verse, by the way, is, oh, law and gospel. We forgot the whole law oh, gospel yeah. part. The resurrection of Jesus is gospel. I'm just going to say that for all of these texts. <laughs> okay. Uh, your, your third and final round in a Bible B is a one-word clue. All right. And your one word is unbind. 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 Really? Mm-hmm. Unbind. I, I, the, the, the thing that comes to mind is the, this miracle of the resurrection of Lazarus, where Jesus calls Lazarus from the grave, and then he says, untie the, the uh, grave clothes. I mean, if it was unbound or something, I, that would, I think, open up. But this is a command, unbind, you know, unbind the guy. Uh, loose him. Uh, 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 unbind. So I'm gonna. I think that's got to be the resurrection of Lazarus. I can't think of anything else. And that would be, then the Gospel of John, uh, chapter. Well, that's chapter 11, right? Correct. So uh, uh, John 11. That's that's my guess. Yep, John 11. The man who had died came forth, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. Jesus said to him, Unbind him and let him go. Nice. Yeah, that's great. Uh, Jesus has power over death with his word, and uh, but, but we see in the resurrection that he has power over death with his very body. He, he himself comes back from uh, death. So Lazarus wasn't actually officially resurrected. He was, it was more like a recitation because Lazarus would still, would still die. You know, He still had his sin and his sinful body, his corrupt body, after he came out of the grave. It, it, the, the resurrection is totally different, though. How about this? So death is the... Do we have time for this? How much time do we have? We have about two minutes. So de- let's do some definition, then. Death is the separation of body and soul, right? So when you die, your body and soul are separated. And uh, and for the Christian, our soul is completely purged, uh, essentially, from sin. There's, sin no longer clings to our soul, and it goes to the face of Christ, however we want to 
uh, understand that. It, we, we know the pure joy of being with Christ according to our soul. Our body, though, unlike the body of Jesus, our bodies are, um, are still bearing about the burden of sin, which is why a corpse like the corpse of Lazarus stank. It's why we decompose. It's, the, it's kind of the result of sin on our bodies. On the resurrection, though, on the last day, our bodies come forth from the grave or from wherever they are, and they are now perfected as well. Sin, the, the effects of sin are completely removed from our body, like it was from our soul at the moment of our death. Now, body and soul, both completely purged from sin, are joined back together. And that's the definition of the resurrection. So Lazarus didn't have that. While he had the forgiveness of sins by faith in Jesus, his friend, uh, he didn't. He, his soul and body were not yet purged from the effects of sin, so he died later on. And Lazarus, even himself, still waits for the resurrection. Very good. Okay, well, we are talking about John chapter 11, uh, the uh, raising, or I guess, the resuscitation of Lazarus. <laughs> you don't hear that much, the resuscitation. You don't, do you? Uh, but there it is. Okay, but we're, when we get back, we're going to get the answer to the law gospel question of this text. Oh, hey, oh, good, good. Uh, and to see if you can get some more points. You have uh, 500 now, if my math is right Ooh. this time. Yeah. We'll be right back for more Table Talk Radio. Then we're going to play Ten Commandments in the News with a casual apologetics conversation game mixed in between. We'll be right back for more Table Talk Radio. <laughs> Hi, this is Evan Gigline. Thank you for listening to Table Talk Radio. Have you ever wanted to be a radio clown yourself? Now you can with the Table Talk Radio Reformation Glee Club membership. This is my favorite Reformation Glee Club. Really? Tell them how we uh, sign up for the Reformation Glee Club. Yeah, why don't you tell them that, Evan? Oh, well, you just go to our website at tabletalkradio.org and click the support tab. Why don't you tell us uh, the different levels? Uh, yeah, why don't, why don't you tell them that? Okay, well, there's the Radio Clown, the Table Talk Radio Pietist, the Iron Listener, or the Theological Bull Rider. Yeah. Why don't you tell them what we get? Uh, Yeah, why why don't you tell them that? (laughs) Well, if you sign up for the Reformation Glee Club, you get Table Talk Radio points for every dollar you donate. Oh, nice. Love those radio points. We really do appreciate all the support for Table Talk Radio, so we can continue to bring you everyone's favorite Lutheran theological game show. The man who had died came forth, bound hand and foot with wrapping, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. Jesus said to him, Unbind him and let him go. That is John chapter 11, which Pastor Wolfmuller correctly identified. 
Welcome back to Table Talk Radio playing Bible B. But now, before you, Pastor Wolf Mueller, is the law gospel question. Is this law or gospel? It's marvelous gospel. I, I don't want to go too allegorical on this whole business, but the, the, uh, the, the, here, here, here is Lazarus bound up in grave clothes, and Jesus says, loose him. Let him loose. And it reminds me of one of my favorite texts. You can guess where this one is, uh, where uh, it says that he partook of flesh and blood, that is, Jesus came in the body, that through his death, he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and set those who all their lifetime were uh, held captive to the fear of death loose. So that so that Jesus, who knows that we are just uh, are in bondage to the fear of the grave, sets us free from that fear. So like Luther says, if we, if we really could grasp the, this friendly ad address that Jesus has for us, that he calls us his brothers and his friends, then we would no longer live in fear of death or fear of the devil or fear of sin or fear of God's wrath or fear of anything because we have the one who came out of the grave as our friend. It's wonderful. Do you know what verse that is, though, by the way? Uh, that sounded like the, the Pastor Wolfmuller paraphrase. I don't know if I want to be guessing Bible uh, verses ahead. No. <laughs> All right, I'll read it to you. <laughs> so gospel. I'm going to say gospel on this. How's that suit That's you? good. All right, here. Oh, sorry, i got to turn a couple pages. i got another Bible bee for you. I want to do another little passage here, but I'll, I'll give you two Bible bees now. You're going to get all sorts of points. And Wait, wait, how much are these worth? One million points? One million points each. All right. In the uh, in the fact that look in Easter Jesus holds nothing back. I mean God has given everything to us, so I'm going to give you all these points. Weird. Okay, you have here's five hundred points. Huh. Weird. Huh. Okay, your turn. Don't worry. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same thing, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through the fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Boy, I'm not quite sure. This is I, Pauline. I'm pretty sure. Um, I'm going to maybe say 1st or 2nd Corinthians. Uh, uh, I'll just take a shot at 2nd Corinthians. Yes, close. Hebrews chapter 2, that, verse 14. So it wasn't 15. necessarily Pauline. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, Paul. Uh, don't you know, Paul? Uh, well, we <laughs> Hebrews is, is written under the influence of Paul. So... <laughs> All right. Well, you have but I got one another for one for you. Yeah, I oh, yeah, get a yeah, million yeah. points. A million points are on the line for this one. Now, look, this is round one. This is three verses. Oh, <laughs> oh, that my words were written. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book. Oh, that with an iron pen and lead they were engraved in a rock forever. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes behold, and not another oh how my heart faints within me i happen to know that this is the book of job oh yeah so this it would is. give me one million table talk radio points yes don't spend them all in one place now this is <laughs> th now this is important for us to know this text and know it well because there are those who would say that Jesus, that, that the resurrection is only uh, in the New Testament. It's a New Testament sort of thing, but it's sprinkled all throughout the Old Testament. And this verse is one of the clearest uh, confessions of the resurrection in the Old Testament. And we have this wonderful Easter hymn from, the, from this text. Uh, right. I know that my Redeemer lives. Right. Job wrote it. Job <laughs> wrote that hymn. You know, he doesn't get the citation at the bottom of the page. <laughs> 
That's plagi- that's plagiarism right there. He should. And so he, I mean, look, he's saying it so fantastically clear. He says, even after my flesh is eaten by worms, I'm going to see with my own eyes my Redeemer, the, uh, Jesus, my Savior, the Messiah. That's fantastic. That's fantastic text. Job, and what's the oldest book of the Bible written? Probably Job. He, did he live at the time of Moses or the time of Abraham? He lived a long time ago, and here he is confessing the resurrection. We Look, as soon as the Lord says that uh, 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 he takes the ground and makes Adam and Eve out of it, and then he says this, what he says in Genesis 3.15, I'm going to rescue you uh, from the serpent, we know that the resurrection has to happen because... Because Jesus cannot overcome sin without also overcoming death. They all go t- together. Uh, and so the Lord is particularly interested in, in, uh, in having us in his, as his created children forever and ever and ever. Amen. Amen. All right, excellent. Uh, we have about four minutes left to play Ten Commandments in the News. Let's Woo. get mine and go uh, directly to yours. All right, hold on. I've got to open it up here. Ah, got it. This was a Kansas City newspaper, and it's a question. I don't know how, I guess Billy Graham writes for the Kansas City newspaper. No, uh, because this says, Dear Billy Graham, every year our church celebrates Palm Sunday, the day when the crowds cheered Jesus as he entered Jerusalem for the last time, but I've never understood why they turned against him a few days later and demanded him to be put to death. Why did they? Uh, and then uh, Billy Graham writes back, apparently. Dear JN, one reason the crowds, so here, here, this is Billy Graham, and this is in the newspaper. You're with me here so far? with you still. All right. One reason the crowds turned against Jesus was because he refused to be the king of kings they wanted, a political and military leader who would free them from the hated Roman government. Roman soldiers had occupied their land for decades, and they hoped Jesus would lead them in a successful revolt. But Jesus made clear to them that this was not his goal. God had another purpose for him, and that purpose was far greater than any mere political or military victory. His goal was to establish another kingdom, the kingdom of God. This, he taught them, wasn't to be a political kingdom, but the rule of God over our hearts and minds and ultimately over the whole universe. To the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate, he declared, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight. My kingdom is from another place. John 18.36 How could this happen? Only if sin and death and Satan were defeated. For these keep God's kingdom from becoming a reality in our lives. And how could they be defeated? Only by Christ's death and resurrection for us. For by his death and resurrection, Jesus conquered sin and death and Satan. Okay. okay. There's one more line at the end, but I want you to react so far to this. Um, I don't know that I have an issue with that. Should I? No, I don't think you should. Okay, I think it's good. fantastic. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I thought I was missing something. Okay. No, good. no, no. Uh, so summarize, summarize the point here. Uh, okay. So, to, so Jesus came and, and you know, the... Uh, the people of Jesus Day are always uh, wanting to set up Jesus as, as their own king, so uh, so you can conquer uh, conquer their adversaries and everything. But but Jesus, this is not at the interest of Jesus. Jesus, uh, as Billy Graham said, was was uh, was setting up a, a, a God's kingdom uh, for to, to bestow then faith to our hearts, and so now that we are God's kingdom uh, by faith. Um, now, what I think, I hope this isn't too far aside, but what I think is interesting is that a lot of these um, uh, end times gurus make the same mistake when they're looking for Jesus to to come and set up a, uh, a, a rule here on earth. Right. No, you're right. You're right. But, here, but Billy Graham doesn't go that way. He has something else at the end, and I want you to react to this. It's three, this, ends, the, this news story here ends with two questions. Where would you have been during Jesus' final days? 
Hmm. Would you have been demanding his death, or would you have been among the minority who remained true to him? And this is typical of Billy Graham because he has this wonderful, great uh, presentation of the gospel, and then he destroys the whole thing by, by making some sort of a decision at the end. Yeah, uh, I know. When you end in a question, you end on law, huh? Right. Uh, so, okay, so um, th- this would give the uh, every listener or reader in this case um, to the temptation to, to think that that God would be well pleased with with my position on Jesus at the time of his crucifixion, because because having said what he just did, what readers going to say? Oh no, no, I, I would definitely be against Jesus at this time. Um, but 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 to, but to say, oh, I would be among the select few is, is missing the point of the cross. Uh, Jesus died for the sake of sinners, and we are sinners who are who are enemies of God in in our sinful flesh. I, you know, I get this question all the time. People say, if I was alive at the time of Jesus, would I believe in him or would I, I not? And people mostly are saying that because they know the weakness of their flesh and they think they wouldn't. But here's the marvelous thing, that faith was just as much a miracle as it was in the time of Jesus for his disciples as it is for us. It's a, The fact that we believe is not our work but God's. So we know that if we were there... We would have worshipped and praised and, th- and and believed in Jesus just as much as we do now, because the same Holy Spirit gives faith then and now as well. Yeah, and thanks be to God. Well, thank you all for listening to Table Talk Radio this uh, Resurrection Day of our Lord, in which uh, we celebrate uh, the fact that Jesus uh, was crucified for all of our sins and and uh, rose from the from the dead. Uh, the, the the grave was empty, and uh, in in that uh, the Father uh, accepted His sacrifice uh, of of all sin, atonement for all sin, and uh, salvation for us all. Uh, and, and this this is the gospel. This is the, the central message which we preach uh, to to all sinners, ourselves included. Um, that that we are sinners, uh, and apart from this marvelous truth, we have no hope. Uh, and that and that is what Easter is all about. Uh, so, so enjoy your candy this day, but uh, uh, keep in mind this, this wonderful thing of, of our Lord. So that's it for Table Talk Radio. Thank you all for listening to the Easter edition of Table Talk Radio. Where the points are like the tomb of Jesus, absolutely 100% empty, unused. <laughs> You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like to answer your questions concerning theology, the scriptures, or anything else. Send your questions to question at tabletalkradio.org or leave us a voicemail message, 866-851-5523. Be sure to check out our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.